Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. professional wrestling well we like professional wrestling too this is shake them ropes i am jeff hawkins i am fully immersed in the wrestling bubble he is chris novembrino he wants nothing to do with it <laughs> um <laughs> it's happy living though isn't it it's happy living oh yeah I, I mean they always told me that ignorance was bliss and i used to call them stupid but now no, no they're right I, oh it's great i i don't know what is going on generally uh and i just get told about stuff and i say things like gee that sounds bad or oh wow <laughs> or oh man that's gonna be neat so that's and then, an ex explanation and then the it show. happens yeah and then it doesn't or it doesn't happen and, and in either case i move on with my life that's the explanation of a show on voices of wrestling that actually happens um Oh, for, for I used to close caption professional wrestling for, yes, for broader did. context. Yeah, yeah, yes. for years, uh, including WrestleMania. Uh, I actually do have a resume, but uh, it doesn't really matter, and you'd never get a sense of it listening to this show. I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Oh god, I may clip that for our for our uh, for our teaser that goes before other shows, just as we can get more of an audience that way. Uh, I'm I'm rehabbing. I'm I'm going to actual rehab for um, <laughs> not the booze rehab. Uh, the physical uh, rehab. Oh, oh Sarah, are we both the programs now? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Jeff. I have a torn rotator cuff. Hi, Jeff. Um, Thanks. no. Uh, I got to. I got exposed to. Have you ever been exposed to the Theragun Pro? before the, th the theragun yes the theragun is this like a mega man buster no, adapter it, it, thing 
it looks like a it looks like a space age laser because it's just a triangle with a little uh attachment on with a little ball that that goes like really fast and they use it to massage you and or athletes have it and stuff like that i had never been exposed to one of these things before and i got mocked by the guy doing it uh because it it was painful to me he goes you've never had a massage before i go no i've never (coughs) had a massage before Not, not, not even in a relationship or whatever i go no I've been denied the touch of a woman for a very long time, well, sir. Next question. <laughs> well, even when I was in relationships, they weren't they weren't that spend that much time with each other time in some way. So I guess you have a point there, Chris. Uh, this is going to turn to therapy quicker than I thought. So let's move on. No, I, uh, today on Shake Them Thoughts. <laughs> Well, I just sneezed 12 times, so I'm now sick officially, I guess. It was just one of those things where I instantly have a cold. And I was going to talk about that, but I just mentioned it to you before the show, and then we talked about it, so I don't know. Well, and, and I'm recovering what do you want to say here? Okay, I have nothing so, interesting. No, I, I got something. So this morning, I wake up, and I am checking my email because I'm becoming Ooh. more responsible. Which cat what? is that? That's Chesterfield. Get him the hell out of here. To, uh, no, I'm not gonna get him the hell out of I here. Hate he's, cats. He, you know, he's. Oh my god. So uh, I guess we go a different route. No, no, I let's go the other route. It's probably more the, interesting. No, the the my internet almost getting canceled. Uh, no, For I the, uh, oh. uh, no, my neighbor moved out, and they live in unit A. I live in unit B, which are not connected or anything like that, and they're two separate accounts. But Xfinity is not very smart when it comes to processing this stuff. So somehow they managed to process this to where my internet was going to be disconnected <laughs> today. So I open up the email and I'm like, oh, it's like, we got your con- cancellation request. It will be going through today. And I was like, oh good. I get to drink coffee and get on the phone with Xfinity. And so I then called Xfinity and let me tell you, they have, the worst phone tree of any phone tree I have encountered. In that's, terms that's a bold of, statement because phone it, trees these days are bad everywhere. They, in terms of trying to keep you from speaking to a real human, this one is damn good at it, Jeff. Like it, it is. It was like a video game because uh, I, I there were several rounds that I lost where I, I got <laughs> locked into the tree and there was no getting out of it. At one point, it even teased me where it was like, you could speak to a live agent. There'll be a wait. That wait will be three minutes. And I go, I'll wait. I will wait. And it goes, or we could do the text option. I'm going to text you right now this link. Please click the link. Uh, and or, or I can resolve this myself. So th- I was doing this song and dance in the phone tree for what seemed like 30 something minutes. Finally get on the line with uh, the call center person, eventually after I master the phone tree. And of course our call center person does not necessarily understand the acute nuances of American problems. Uh, For example, Jeffrey, uh, I was informing this person that New Mexico is in fact a state in the United States of America and not in fact part of Mexico and that I had not moved to Mexico, but that I was in fact in New Mexico. I'm on the lamb, ma'am. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Oh, you're so you're in Mexico. No, New Mexico. What's your name? Arkansas Dave Rudaba. No. Oh. <laughs> I'm just like, what city? Albuquerque. It's the largest city in New Mexico. 
which is a state in the country oh, of the United Lord. States. Say yeah, no, more. yeah, no, so that was that was like 80 minutes of my life. Also, I, I had a puppy for like about a day. And let me tell you, anyone who ever tells me that four cats is a handful, I've had a puppy. I can't get off your jag now. I've now I've now dealt with puppy poop and puppy pee and, and puppy drama. And uh one day, one day. I will, I'll take I, will, I will take a puppy over cats so. though. Hawkins, I will I will unleash multiple cats on you instead <laughs> of the puppy. Well, if you're interested in Jeff Hawkins possibly going to war with the voices of wrestling flagship, this is this is the show for you this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we've been we're we've been a sleeper cell on this network <laughs> since its inception. <laughs> Uh, no, Joe just... Lanza needed to have a nemesis, and today the mask comes off, and it's Jeffrey Hawkins. I actually think I'm feuding with Rich, because Rich and I oh. disagree on, on one news item that I have here, and then uh, they're plugging well, then... The, they're plugging their live flagship tonight with, well, Dynamite wasn't a good show. I was like, I thought that, I thought that Dynamite was pretty damn spectacular for the most part, or at least really good. I <laughs> just... We just, well, we just like different things. Okay, great. Here we go. Uh, in the you're news, going for rich. Uh, then I, I'm gonna just before you begin here, put Joe Lanza officially on notice. Okay, good. You're on notice, Joe. No, I'm not putting Rich on notice. I love Rich. Come but, on. But no, no. We, we, what's what? It, we, I'm not gonna play. You're, you're, not, gonna, you're gonna weenie, you're gonna weenie out in this now. I'm probably God, gonna oh. weenie out. I just. Oh, okay. So you're gonna Mott and Bailey me and leave me in the moat. Pretty much. Here we go. Uh, whatever. Lance is still on notice. Okay, cool. I'll help. Uh, wrestlers, wrestlers decide to talk about things that they can't really talk about, and then getting through with just gobbledygook will, will people please hire pr experts please or no, not say anything no, at all no no stop hiring pr experts oh is that is what the this problem. was okay if we're talking about john cena we're about john to. cena john cena is the byproduct of too much focused market research not enough humaning just be an effing human. See, I see. I, I agree with the not enough humaning. It feels like they they put a bunch of aspirational posters from you know the sharper image into his head, and that's all he can put out there. So here we go. He goes on Howard Stern, and this is what he says about the Vince McMahon case. "Quote: I don't think it's complicated to talk about. It's complicated to listen to. That's why I don't necessarily put a lot of time and equity into it. There's still a long way to go." If someone's behavior lies so far outside your value system, the balance shifts of, quote, I can't operate in a world where this works, unquote. That's the end result of being accountable. Right now, what, I'm going to... What does that quote mean? I, I don't understand. I, I have read that sentence so many times, and I do not have a clue I will, what the hell that sentence I will take a guess at it as soon as I finish the quote. Sure. Right now, I'm going to love the person I love, be their friend. I love you. You have a hill to climb. Yeah, th this is this is the type of person who says he's spiritual but not religious, and then tries to figure out some sort of moral ethos in there in some way, and doesn't quite get there. Look, I can't operate in a world where this works. It, basically, what he's saying is, I can't comprehend of somebody actually doing something like this. So instead, he just decides to love the person. <laughs> Such. So weak sauce here by john cena where he, the man who can't admit taiwan's a country um <laughs> I, I 
it's so you know, okay, this. I get that. I, get I can't this. comment on this. I can't this comment like, on this. It's love the easy. sinner, but not the sin. Yes. Only like it, it, it in a way like a similar construction to this. But it's in, not in a way. There's a sin there. It's saying R- right. Well, I can't no, comprehend of somebody actually doing sex trafficking in this company. So right. I'm just gonna put out. I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of those negative vibes right now. I'm gonna think of puppies and unicorns and and the man that I think he is. So it's like ah. right, right. No, no. See, I do. See, that's what I'm saying. Like he obviously gets that sex trafficking is bad. That's why he has to do the dance. Uh, and that's good. I, I applaud him for understanding that. <laughs> Are we sure he gets that sex traffic? I, his <laughs> you know what, Jeff? I want to give him the benefit of the okay, doubt. Okay, I, 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 I think he's taking a pretty clear moral stand that sex trafficking's bad. And, and because of that, so we're saying that that is a, a sin, you, you might say. But, yes. it, you know, it, the sinner should still be loved. And this is why this argument doesn't really wash. Uh, it, it feels good to say, but I when mean, you really examine it, if you believe that this happened, you know, or, or and you believe that this is bad, then it makes the person Vince in this case a very bad person. Yeah, Stern pressed him. I actually listened to this after after reading the transcript because I could get into this, and you know. Let's put it this way, Stern has turned into Don Imus in so many ways that I can't count. But at the same time, he also just kind of says, hey, look, I've had people in my circle do this. And you just have to cut them out. And John Cena's kind of like, yeah, you know, trying to do the altruistic thing. It's just like, dude, he won't ever. I mean, he is an empty vessel, much like Dwayne is an empty vessel. You know, they, they just will not go there in terms of criticism of anybody in in the circle and it's just yeah yeah it's it's like i get a guy like mick foley's conflictedness over this mick foley did charity stuff for rain though that it should there should be no conflict over this that's fair that's fair that's fair meanwhile you contrast with randy orton who just barely gets over the bar in my opinion where he goes uh i would not be where i am today without vince mcmahon this is a reading from sports illustrated and there will be adult language in this in this one unless i decide to truncate what should i do here I, i would not be where i am today without vince mcmahon but fuck i'm reading this shit what you've seen and read i've seen and read as far as commenting on that it fucking hurts my heart it hurts my heart how can I make this about me? You know, that's what this felt like to me. I'm just like, remember Randy Orton's the guy who used to put his hand down his pants, touch his penis, and say, and then shake hand, and that's how he would initiate writers with, with, hey, good to meet you, welcome to the company. Now shake my hand. Oh, you're gonna big time me? You know that that kind of crap. You know, you open people's gym bags allegedly. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not, but I'm not looking to Randy Orton for moral clarity of any kind you know right yeah i'm not looking Uh, to any celebrity for moral clarity of any kind either but if you think you're gonna get them on on talking bad about their employer i got news for some of you people they ain't gonna do it they they're bad at pr and they're bad at this game but they're not going that far they're gonna give you some gobbledygook and let you go on your way and people like me will have to analyze it I think that gets into a real important question for us, like the readers, the listeners, and that sort of thing to sort of consider. And there's going to be a different answer for everybody, which is what do you reasonably expect a current employee of the company 
to say on this matter. I kind of think in that paradigm, Randy Orton, Randy Orton saying, I'm reading this shit in that, like in the, in that parlance makes it clear, like, like, you know, fuck, I'm reading this shit to me. makes it clear implicitly that he reads this shit and he believes it. Yes. That, yeah, that, that he, he does believe that this really occurred and it, it sits uneasy with him. Um, but also at the same time, yeah, like he can't, you know, defame the company. No, uh, because they're yeah, right. involved in the litigation. And, and, right. Uh, but there's see, potentially here's, legal exposure. But here's where that. you here's where you would get other podcasters and people on X and, and whatever going, well, you know, um you're an independent contractor. You should stand up to your company, blah, 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 blah. It's, you know, I think the expectation is there for, for everybody to just kind of trash Vince, trash the company without realizing, Hey, I got to step into work on Monday kind of. And, and I think the proper response is we'll get blasted by normals like us, but the proper response is I cannot comment at this time because there's ongoing litigation. Yeah. Or even, I mean, even if you wanted to make it a little less, legal nerdy a little less legal and nerdy okay. like that Sorry. like no no i would be so like look guys it's not proper for me to weigh in on this one yeah i i have thoughts you coward I, how dare you you need to you trash know, them so aew can be better <laughs> i i think it's actually fine and good for people to draw the line and say i actually don't have to have a heavy opinion on this i have i can i don't have to have a public opinion on this i have a private one uh, but I don't have a public one. That's actually an okay thing to say in a map yes. like this, too. You know what? That that's not a bad way to do it. Look, I I have yeah. a public response and I have a private response. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a public opinion. It's a strong one, and my or I'm sorry, a private opinion. It's a strong one, and I have a public opinion, and it's this. When politicians do it, it's cowardly. But when be- real people do it, I'm fine with it. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I guess in, in that sense, it's like the difference is like what company are they working for? That's right? true. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, the politician theoretically is working for the company of America or the state or whatever, of which we all have a share, Jeffrey. Uh, but like, no, like, you know, like, uh, you know, I know America, America, God shed <laughs> Another song. I do. The point Novembrino. Oh, beautiful (laughs) for space. All I can think of is Red Dawn right now before they get shot. That's all I can think of. Shining Sea. All right. Uh, The company. Stanton yelling, Avenge me. Okay, go ahead. Like, you know, like, (laughs) I just don't think that they have a job to opine on the mechanics of the company. It's like, you know the tram or whatever i'm not obligated to give a big weigh in on the latest tram controversy if that goes down what do you think about this chris well i have internal thoughts and external thoughts and i need to keep them separate what does your tram think about what's going on in the middle east right now chris (laughs) you know it's kind of like saying that i i I get it um moving on to actually and this is where Rich and I differed a bit, and I'll explain this because usually what happens in the disc or in the uh, Slack stays in the Slack. But you know, hey, why not? Uh, Jen Pepperman, who we we uh, talked about last week, 
uh, senior creative with WWE, has now joined AEW as vice president of creative content. Uh, I, let's 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 just throw it all out there. She was poached by AEW, presumably as a uh, Mercedes Monet whisperer in many ways. Um, and potentially the new architect of whatever's going to go on in the women's division, whatever maybe. goes on in the yeah, women's yeah, division. Yeah. And that that's something they need. I like the hire a lot. And, you know, I understand wrestling fans and, 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 uh, and the grand poobah is one of them. You know, Hey, I, I, I just watch my wrestling for wrestling. I want good wrestling. I don't want television or drama or scripted stuff. And I get that. I well, get that. Well, thing. then you'll be really excited because pretty much anything Peppermint will do will probably move us further away from black and white Tony Storm juxtaposed against an in-color opponent. I don't know. Look, yeah, they, people who are criticizing this have good concerns, too, because they're afraid, okay, maybe Peppermint is a quote-unquote system quarterback, so to speak, and maybe she has been, I mean, she was with WWE for almost seven years. Maybe that's all she knows, and she comes from a soap opera world, which is also melodrama. And I, I understand those concerns, but there's a few things that uh, you know my co-host kind of from last night was discussing with me that have kind of been lingering in my head, and I'll tell you why. Okay, why I think this is also a very good hire. Number one, the obvious. She has real television experience. She she is a member, or she was a member of the Directors Guild. She's written, she knows acting, she knows writing. She she has multiple facets of herself, and she could help coach those things in certain people that don't know anything about them. Like, for example, how to stage a backstage promo or something to that effect, you know? Um, number two, and this was the part I balked on, but now I've softened my stance on this because I had writer brain when they said this my buddy Paul Ace Fontaine at Paul Ace Fontaine on X. He's like, it's really good to have a woman in the room writing for women. And, and, you know, writer Jeff goes, well, no, if you're a writer, you should be able to write for either sex, but realize this. Does Tony Khan seem like the kind of person who has had very deep relationships with people as a billionaire son? that could give a good perspective. I mean, women need someone that they could trust in the thing. I think that's overall a good thing for a women's division to have. And, you know, be it, even if she's a, I, I keep calling one and call her a Sasha whisper, but it's a Mercedes whisper. If she's like the Gewurz to, to uh, her rock, she's in there to, to, to help be the voice in the room, possibly, if somebody comes up with an angle so dumb or sexist or stupid where she can then put the halt to it and go, no, that's not a good idea. That's not what women would do. You know, toxic masculinity, however you want to wrap that up. I think that's overall a very, very positive thing in addition to just all the general television stuff. Yeah, I think her resume is a very strong resume. I, I mean, obviously, I made the soap opera joke last week, but I think that one of the benefits of coming from that type of writing background is understanding structure and yes. actually having an organizing philosophy to this. Uh, you know, that will, I think, flow downstream to better in-ring action in terms of the matches having more salience and relevance 
and being more engaging and being honest right now with how they've been utilizing their women's roster and kind of how they have to utilize their women's roster. It's in the middle portion of the show. So sometimes you're going to need to do storytelling, change of pace, sort of matches, these sorts of things to serve the needs of the show. Uh, I, I think that Peppermint will probably be very good at that. And, and I'm with you. I, I think that AEW has not had a lot of success writing good women's programs with men so far. Uh, they tried it with Kenny Omega. It wasn't compelling stuff. They've tried it with Tony Khan. I don't think it's been compelling stuff. Uh, I am kind of with you. I don't think that Tony Khan's necessarily uh, the person who understands how to write for the female audience. Uh, and I, he wouldn't be my first pick as the, the pen to write really, really good and realistic women dialogue. We're already so. failing the Bechdel test with, <laughs> with the uh, Ruby, Ruby Soho story. So, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, so, like, like and look that I've talked to some people in WWE behind the scenes and we saw certain wrestling personalities come out and say this was a great hire as well. I have not talked to a single person who had a bad thing to say about John Pepperman. And that saying something. Because everybody kind of has that flaw in there. And it, look, if that happens in AEW, you'll probably hear about it because people leak all the time in both companies now. But I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I get the pushback from wrestling purists and stuff. And I also, you know, even old school types who, I mean, this is kind of how I made friends in the company when, when, you know, the, the critics were saying, you know, why do you need writers, et cetera? You know, back in the day, wrestlers could, you know, had to learn on the fly and they had to learn how to cut a promo or else they weren't good wrestlers. Well, you got a lot of good, smooth wrestlers in AEW who have what I like to call the ricochet problem. And remember, ricochet to Dave Meltzer was was a can't-miss property. Oh, Rick, oh, ricochet, he's special. He can go get in there over on his I know a thing or two about this, and, and they believed that, and there was enough of a hype train around ricochet that an entire wrestling promotion was truly structured around him yes. in Lucha Underground. They yes. built... They built the initial seasons around him, which you used to uh, you used to recap on this very right, fine right. And, and so I will tell you exactly how that story ended. He was extremely compelling the first season, and then they handed him a microphone, and the shine started to sparkle off week after week. Every time Prince Puma picked up the microphone, you wish that he hadn't. I mean, it, it matters. It, yeah. It does. It matters. It, it it's especially ten years ago. It is awesome to have a high work rate, high athleticism guy. He was, you know, in a lot of ways perfect for the moment, but he couldn't talk on the microphone, so his angles didn't cook. So the allure of the ricochet match slowly went away. He had a lot of really good matches, but my favorite match of his on that show was in the first season, and it was his feud against Brian Cage, of all people. But Brian Cage served as a really good foil to him. And I think in AEW, um, it has to be a two-way street. I, I think you can have this creative presence backstage there, 
writing things, pitching ideas, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, if you're someone who's not great on promos, you know, <laughs> my joke is Kenny Omega, but, um, you know, other people, you know, just basically guys who have been raised on the indies and have never had to cut promos on television in a national company because they don't do that anymore. This isn't the territories where you go from one territory or another and you cut five local promos for five house shows that you're going to be doing and you get better at it. It's not a skill that's taught necessarily wrestling school. Doesn't necessarily teach it either all that well. Um, if you go to her and say, Hey, I'm working on something. She will be happy probably to work with you. If you do the thing like has been rumored about, you know, the thing that punk got so angry about with the legends in the back where it's like, well, I don't want their advice. I'm just going to go my own way type of thing. If you do that with the creatives as well, of course you're going to have a negative point of view for, with the creatives and stuff, but go use that person as a resource and see what they have to offer you. And then if you don't like it, that's fine. But it, it, it's just one of those things where I, I just, I think there's potential here where maybe, I mean, Peppermint wouldn't have quit WWE if she didn't think, well, maybe I'll have a little bit more freedom over an AEW as well. And I well, think I'm maybe for that... a little bit more control by yes. creative. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the idea that you have an organized creative, especially for the women's division, which again, I know people want AEW to be a 50, 50, 50%, you know, men's wrestling, 50% women's wrestling. That's not going to happen. Ever. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's not going to happen. They don't have the roster to do that with. Uh, I mean, even if you, I think if you assembled a perfect dream roster of women between both companies, that could be possible, but it's not possible with AEW's current roster. Um, and it, it's not really, it's just not how they're ever going to use dynamite. So with that understood, Peppermint needs to have a shorter, tighter program. And I think if it's better controlled and more contoured, that'd be good. Yeah. Speaking of empty vessels, old Dwayne, the rock announcing, uh, that, uh, his seven bucks productions are working on a biopic of the nature boy, Ric Flair stating on Instagram as a wild kid who grew up in the wild world of professional wrestling. God, I hate when he says that I idolize the nature boy, Ric Flair. He was one of my heroes. And once I broke into the wrestling business and began to spill my own sweat and blood in arenas across America, my reverence for Rick turned to great respect because I realized just how rare and almost impossible it is to truly disrupt the wrestling business and truly change the game. And that's exactly what Ric Flair did. Rick that's Flair also what he did. That's also what the rock, the rock did that too. Rick oh, oh, <laughs> that's so neat. Ric Flair had a relentless passion to be the greatest of all time, but with achieving that goat status, he also sacrificed it all and paid a heavy price and lived to tell the story. I've known Rick since I was eight years old when he and my dad, Rocky Soul Man Johnson, were wrestling together in the NWA, in parentheses, National Wrestling Alliance. This project is personal for me, and we at Seven Bucks Productions and Kevin Misher Films can't wait to tell his unbelievable story. As always, thank you for the house, Rick. Now, if you are in the bubble like myself, and Chris is enough in the bubble to know this, you're wrestling like, no. really is a wild world, Jeff. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> now is not the time to do a biopic 
a sanitized biopic of Ric Flair. I'm sorry, not the time. But I had friends who don't follow wrestling anymore and kind of just know it tangentially. You're like, Jeff, did you hear about this? Isn't this awesome? They're going to make a movie about Ric Flair. And I don't have the heart to tell these people what's been going on with Ric Flair for the past couple of weeks. You know, it's kind of like, I don't want to tell them Santa doesn't exist. Sorry to kids listening right now. Bad news. <laughs> I, uh, I what, what is he thinking? I... Never mind the fact that WWE got themselves distanced from Ric Flair only for Dwayne Johnson to recreate or like remove that distance. (laughs) Uh, Just unreal. Meanwhile, you have on WWE television, or I'm sorry, on AEW television, (laughs) Ric Flair now allied with the Young Bucks, which I... I, I get how, on one hand, this makes sense going into Sting's last match. On another hand, meta parse this real quickly. Is Ric Flair really someone you need to be ne- next to? Is that a good thing? Is it is Are we doing a good thing here? Oh, I think this is just to get Rick a pop in Greensboro because he's not going to turn on Sting. This is all a ruse, and he's. I'm I, hoping he gets double super kicked for the heat. But you know, I, I this is all to serve Rick, Rick in some right, way in this right. story. I, but I, it is the, a ruse. It's it's a complete and total ruse, in my opinion. Rick, Rick's gonna turn on the young bucks. He's the dirtiest player in the game. Like, yes. he does do a backstab, but it's on the young bucks. Yes, and he's gonna get cheered in Greensboro because remember that's where this is. Or it doesn't matter if he turns on Sting in Greensboro, he'll still get cheered there. And he'll probably get double super kicked or hit or he's taking a bump in Greensboro. Is oh, what yeah. I'm telling he, you. Yeah, he wants yeah, he wants to take a bump for sure. Uh do we Do you have thoughts on the movie though, Mr. Novemberino? I I think get the guy who know, played him in the iron claw. <laughs> that could be fun. No, it uh, wouldn't. He sucked. That dude well, sucked. Well, I was gonna try to think of someone who would be better oh, to play okay. Ric Flair. Um, you know, actually, I think what would be fun is just get like Jack Black or something and put him in the nose, just just like a a nose prosthetic. And, oh, like Bradley Cooper and Maestro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like a really bad like beak nose thing, and that's Ric Flair. Jack Black with a beak, with a beak nose, like thing. two can yeah. like a toucan Sam beak. Like from a well, Fruit Loops commercial. Like, you know how Flair, especially like later on, <laughs> his nose got really big. Uh, yeah. You know, like the man, the man's largely nose at this point. Uh, and I, how about I think just that. How about a nose with feet? Oh my God. Ric Flair as played by an anthropomorphic nose. And it yes. does all the flare bumps and everything yes. too. Like the nose yes. climbs to the top ropes yes. and like flops over. Uh, the nose puts like, the Von Erichs and the figure four leg lock, like all of these things. We're terrible people. I don't uh, think so. And, and I actually, I like us more. Ending the news. Uh, Brock Lesnar will not be in WWE 2K24 as a playable character. No way. But is involved in some of the story. So he is in the game. He is in the game. We're just not going to let people play him. There's been no official reasoning as to why this is. I assume he might be unlockable. There's been speculations <laughs> because he was signed, because he was uh, singled out in the uh, 
in the affidavit, but that's yeah, he that, got unlocked on the affidavit. It seemed like. Well, I think it's too far in production to have hidden him. That's the weird thing about this. Like everybody's saying this is because of that, but I this might be a blessing in disguise in some ways. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that Brock was probably too woven into some of the other programming to do a full removal, but yeah. deactivating him. I don't think it was a bad idea from the uh, active roster. Yeah. I, I assume it's a, it's, it's, it's for that reason, but that he was already in the game and you got to, because it's celebrating like, <clears throat> 40 years of WrestleMania or whatever it is. You, you're going to have to probably beat Brock in a match at some point in the storyline, but that's going to be the extent of your usage of him. I believe. Yeah. I, I mean, TKO's got to kind of brace for impact depending on this Brock Lesnar thing of are they going to have to do like a Benoit level scrubbing of Lesnar-y stuff from storylines. That's going to hurt. That, I mean, it, it, that would be... I don't think we that, get to Benoit territory because, I mean, we can't even get Vince out of all that. I mean, there's no way we're going to get Vince to scrub and people have been suggesting that. And I'm like, all right, good luck with that. Well, but like, no, when I say Benoit territory, like he's never a focal point in any of the games anymore. Like... Chris Benoit? Benoit? Yeah. <laughs> well, he hasn't been alive for some time, Chris. Well, no, but but what I'm saying is in like the historical WrestleMania, yeah. like yeah, well, no. backy, yeah, right. And, and he was that's historical for one WrestleMania, and that was it. And then and then you know we we just we just yell Eddie at the top of our lungs so that people people don't remember Chris Benoit at all. Right. So like, I, I'm wondering, you know, if, if the Lesnar thing kind of gets off and like the stuff in the, you know, the deposition is correct uh, about Lesnar, uh, you might have to end up doing something like that. Like the breaking of the undertaker streak. Who's to say who did that? Anyone could have probably edge. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe it was Nicholas, the guy who teamed with the kid who teamed with Braun Strowman to win the Oh, tag that's stuff. right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you were. I thought you were talking about Nick and uh, Tom Mysterio. Oh, Nick and Tom Mysterio. Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas uh, and Thomas Mysterio. Speaking of which, that's the end of our uh, a new segment. Now for the lazy river of wrestling criticism. If you've never listened to this show, God help you. You've, you've come into a good one. But whatever we watched or had time for this week, be it past or present, we'll get to it uh, during this lazy river. But we usually start on the banks of the lazy river if there is a pay-per-view or what do they call it? ELP or what? EP? <laughs> what? Whatever, uh, whatever like dumb pre- corporate. P-L-E. It's P-L-E. P-L-E. Thank you. It's not ELP. It's not It's ELO. It's Jeff Lynn. It's not ELP. It's Jeff Lynn and the Electric Light Orchestra. No, and he, <laughs> uh, premium live event, PLE. Uh, in Perth, Australia, actually named Elimination Chamber, colon, Perth. <laughs> Brock Lesnar, uh, removed from this card, was planned to have a, a program of Dirty Dom Mysterio after the Royal Rumble. His plans next. Also next, rumored to have been next, was that the fifth, or yeah, the sixth woman in this women's elimination chamber was supposed to possibly be one Jade Cargill. Plans change. Unknown what the future holds for Jade Cargill. But nevertheless, only four matches announced so far. I assume there will be something. Oh, there is something. There, there's something with uh, 
the actual Australian talent. Uh, what's his name? Uh, kid with the Grayson the, Waller. Grayson Waller. You can have a Grayson Waller effect with Cody and and uh, and Seth Rollins. But uh, here goes. For the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship, the Judgment Day of Finn Balor and Damian Priest taking on, I did not know they had a name, New Catch Republic of Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. The New Catch Republic? I had no, uh, that is news to me. We can't use British strong style anymore because Trent Seven is nowhere to be found. Fair, fair. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think the boys are winning this. No, I don't either. I think I think it's possibly even going to be murdered. I think it'll be a good match for about like seven minutes, and then it's just yeah. going to become the Judgment Day being um. I have yeah, a, Judgment I, Day pins bait. Uh, I have a question for you though. Okay. Is it possible? Because we haven't gotten away from our truth and this Judgment Day story, have we? Even though they've beaten him down. Is our truth going to win this briefcase and cash it in for the 24-7 title? Because I'm he starting would. to think that. He would, wouldn't he? Yes. <laughs> just, would... to, just to screw over any piece of tension or realism in this story, it's going to turn out to have a comedy ending, isn't it? I guess so. Like, that's... I was watching when... wrong... It's like he had the twenty four seven shirt on, but the twenty four seven title's been retired. Yes. Yeah. So he exactly you know how he brings like a ladder to a Royal Rumble match. Yeah. Right. 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 He decides to cash the title in for a title that no longer exists. Yeah. I just okay. Fine. Uh, they had the other, something good going with the R Truth thing, but they always make him a little too stupid. They should have knocked him out for a while. Instead, he's back the next week doing the same shtick i couldn't believe it i'm just like you use that for heat and then you're happy to have him back when he comes back to get his revenge but yeah they've 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 gone into the camp territory with us and they've ruined it as you know as they are prone to do at times for the women's world title rhea ripley versus nia jacks now uh, nia, nia's losing yeah I did like that she destroyed all the people in the everything. Chamber. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Uh, it was actually a very well written promo on Raw. Yeah, because they started off with you know Rhea as fate accompli, and then somebody came out. I think Raquel came out, and Raquel was like, "Hey, wait, Nia could still you know be the champion. I you know it could be either or." Blah blah blah. And then the segment ends with Nia annihilating everybody, which is good uh especially because she's not going to win the title here and nor should she and i i thought that that was a good way to make the challenger look strong but not at the expense of the champion going into the title match yeah rhea ripley's <laughs> winning this i think nia Jax may appear in the women's elimination chamber later maybe not as a contestant or a participant but as someone to beat down on some people and possibly I'll just say it. I think maybe Nia attack gets into the gets into the elimination chamber. Maybe not, and maybe Jade Cargo comes in and makes the save and gets rid of Nia so that the match continues. Something like that. It feels like they're. It feels like Jade and and Bianca are going to be put up against Oscar and Io 
and this is possibly a way to get that program started on the road to WrestleMania. So we'll see. Bianca is a very good way of covering up Cargill's weaknesses. I agree, and I think that's the whole point. So we'll get to the Elimination Chamber for the Women's World title at WrestleMania. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair versus Liv Morgan versus Tiffany Stratton versus Naomi versus the returning Raquel Rodriguez. Boy, was that uh, Battle Royal bad. Um, but it got its job done. It got Raquel Rodriguez over. She got huge pop in Anaheim. Uh, they went with chalk on this one for the most part, with the exception of Tiffany Stratton, because Naomi just coming in and being part of the Elimination Chamber, you know, veteran presence, as we like to say. Uh, Tiffany Stratton's doing her best, uh, but she still looks, she looks out of place on the main roster. I'll I'll tell you that. Um, Yeah, she could have used a little bit more time down at NXT. This this is she's ner- much- she's nervous and she feels nervous in every single thing that she's in. That's this reminds me a lot of Mandy Rose, a lot not getting not getting it the first time up, and then she went back down to NXT and Mandy became good. Yeah, she wasn't great, but Mandy became, great. but she was solid. Yeah, like Man- yeah, yeah, and and that in second run in NXT, the, yeah, yeah, that second run in NXT helped Mandy Rose find character. No, dude, her command of character was was great her, her in-ring was always serviceable uh but she actually managed to put together a formula that served as a solid top of the card you know like like main faction thing yeah toxic attraction was good uh tiffany stratton they called her up too soon i get it i get the timeline but i, I she would have benefited from being champion in nxt longer i agree and having a few programs where she you know In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, 
got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Gave championship, you know, you know, a little bit of like the flair style champion more than just I'm holding the title type of champion. Yep. Does anybody other than Becky Lynch have a shot at this? Because there's been some rumblings that Liv Morgan might be able to finish her story with Rhea, and I'm saying there's no way in hell that happens. Yeah, no, it's it's Becky. It's Becky. It's yeah. Becky, yeah. And for the men, a good match, I think, for the most part. Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton versus Bobby Lashley versus L.A. Knight versus Kevin Owens versus Logan Paul. I am excited to see Logan Paul in the elimination chamber. I'm going to say this. This is a this is a stunt show match and Logan Paul will be up for doing stunts. I get it. LA Knight to me is the weak link in here, but you know, he's not bad. Uh It's just not a match that uh favors the LA Knight. No. Like thing. Yeah, there there's yeah. And, and nobody believes that LA Knight's going to win this thing. No, no. I mean, that's honestly one of the big problems with this elimination chamber is that like they, a lot of these guys, they've, they've really ran the tread off the tires on this. Uh, you don't think that Orton Lashley or Knight or even Owens at this point are once a match with, 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 uh, with Seth Rollins. Either. Rollins. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. That that's the other thing is that none of them have any built in, with Seth Rollins. So this has got to be a vehicle to get the drew McIntyre. Yeah. I, I just, um, I'm not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. It's, it's I, drew I, and, and nothing. And then, you know, enjoy the show. I guess low. Yeah. It's true. And then I, yeah, I guess Logan, if you want to have a true dark horse, cause the Logan Seth Rollins chemistry was good, but like, 
those are the only two actual stories. We've already had Rollins and Logan at WrestleMania, right. though. So. Right, and we've already done, like, Owens and Rollins, and we've done Orton and Rollins, and Lashley and Rollins is a match that no one's clamoring for, and LA Knight versus Rollins means nothing. And like, this, this is not to be. diminish Drew McIntyre, who continues to no, be fantastic. No, he's awesome. He's so good. Yeah, so that's uh, that's all I have for that. That'll be on at 2 in the morning, Saturday morning my time. Not waking up to watch that live. I'll get to it when I get to it. So now, anywhere else in the uh, Lazy River, uh, WWE, AEW, Classic Wrestling, what have you, uh, Chris, I will let you begin. All right. Let's begin with uh, (laughs) what I thought was a pretty entertaining little episode of Dynamite. Yes. Uh, I, I think that it was it was well paced. Uh, the opening match here was. I think that AEW has been relying a little bit too much on time limity stuff recently, and they don't do a good job with not giving the game away with it. But that being said, FTR versus Blackpool Combat Club was a really good match. Problem was just when the timekeeper keeps saying the times. I know they do it sometimes, but on the times when they want to have a time finish, be like the the re- resolution, they always they always say it louder, and they yes. make it more. It becomes a Chekhov's gun. I I think that it would be better if the timekeeper forgot to announce it in the final five minutes, and we didn't realize that time was running out. Or if they've right. always been announcing it, <clears throat> and then you know, and then you know, it never came into play until this time right now but i mean how many they don't have a lot of 15 minute matches in aew they don't and they should have more of those too no they should have more i don't want more 15 minute matches in aew to no i mean like time finish matches oh yeah time finishes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. like like 10 minute matches that like the the match you know stops like for prelim stuff i think it's fine like I don't want that in the main event, but they also they give away the game on the main event too. When they tell you that there's going to be an overrun, then what they are basically saying is everything in the first part of this main event doesn't mean crap. Fast forward. Yeah, uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I loved that FTR Blackpool Combat Club uh, match because it addressed the one concern from the Dax versus Moxley match the week before that I didn't like in that the intensity was never turned up in that Dax versus Moxley match. It was, it was 15 minutes of, or 12 minutes of good wrestling with no real heat, even though they were chopping each other for the first half of it. You know, it didn't feel like they were trying to beat each other up at any time. There was no hatred there of any kind. They turned it up in the second half of this match and it was really good. And I'll tell you what else I really liked is that for the first time in ages, when security in the locker room came to break up the fight, it felt like how a fight would actually be broken up. You know, a couple guys walking away, a couple guys trying to get back in there. There was none of that, you know, Goldberg or Lesnar run through six indie guys who are in black shirts to get to the other guy. It felt like when cops come to break up a fight, Nobody's getting at each other, but they're still kind of jawing at each other. And it kind of just dissipates all of a sudden. I I liked that. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, the blocking on the security was really good, too. That was something that stuck out to me. I I just thought 
Security came off as an actual meaningful presence, yes. a stopping force, which is what security is supposed to be. And like the wrestlers should be able to momentarily disrupt security's ability to secure, but they shouldn't ever be able to completely annihilate the entire security team. Although that begs the question, where were they during Deanna and Tony Storm? They were in, they, they were tired. Jeff. They were they tired. Like, yeah. That's what I said. They're getting a snack. They're on a yeah. break. Yeah. I, um, I you, they came out once and that was a lot. I'm going to continue the dynamite love here. And I am going to say on record that I think it housed three career promos for three talents on this show. I think Daniel Garcia had the promo of his life on this show. Um, I'm not saying it was, it was a perfect promo, but I'm saying it was his best promo he's ever done in, in terms of that. And Christian, of course, coming out and talking about the dead father, fantastic stuff. Um, Uh, I actually really like Nick Wayne's mother and the way her, her reactions to what Christian says are really, really well performed. She's somewhat uncomfortable with the whole thing. Yes, she's really good at getting that across. Yes, I yeah, would agree. No, I, 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 I got some roses to throw at her feet. She's doing a really good job conveying like facial discomfort and stuff and micro expressions and things, and, and like it's good. And even Nick, in a way, where he's kind of like laughing at you know laughing at Garcia being on the other end of what Nick was at one time. Yep. Yep. It's kind of it's kind of good here. I'm kind of liking it. Uh, yeah. But but you know the only part I didn't like about Garcia's thing is like when I danced, you all danced with me. I was like, I thought it was gonna be a wrestler here, but fuck yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just like, Ugh. I mean, there's always that there's always that one minor weakness in every great thing, and I have to excuse it. But at the same time, I'm just like, dude, the dancing is it got you over. But at the same time, at at what cost? Because Jericho poached you from the Blackpool Combat Club. Although, God help me, it helped Wheeler immensely. Um, yeah. Uh, secondly, Wardlow. Also, again, a little bit of a poison pill in this thing where he's talking about office politics of never getting a, a world title shot. But him running down Punk without mentioning Punk, running down MJF, and running down, I believe, Hangman. I Wardlow came out here and cut the promo. I've been waiting for him to cut for quite some time, and I kind of liked it. I, I, my only, my only note on the Wardlow promo is that he needs to also be, a, especially as a heel, he should really hate the fans for liking MJF because MJF tormented him. Yes, like, like he part of why he like should have contempt for the fans is you cheer him. He enslaved me and took it like you basically took advantage of the fact that I'm poor and that I needed to support my family. And like you guys still cheer him, like don't boo me, boo yourselves, boo you. Like, like I, I need him to have a little bit more disdain. I did, I thought it was the promo of his career, absolutely. It's certainly the promo that people have been waiting for him to kind of show up with. I, I still have. This undisputed era Mach 2 stuff really is incoherent and loosey-goosey. Like, Wardlow's relationship with all of this feels um, confused. 
Yeah. I'm not saying it would have been better with Adam Cole out there, but I didn't understand. Like, did Adam Cole say Wardlow go out and say this? Did Adam Cole know that Wardlow was going to go out and give a promo like this? Like in kayfabe, you know? Yeah. No, I, I I'm feeling it, and I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out here, and I want to see what you think about this. I think that might have been the best promo of Sting's career. I have watched a lot of Sting. I've watched Sting from UWF <laughs> to now. I've watched him on WCW and NWA. He, he you know, he, he, you know, those types of things. They were kind of vapid and dumb and, and whatever. TNA Joker Sting was kind of fun. But this one where he's, He's being pensive. He knows he's at the end of the road. He's the old gunfighter sitting at the bar, you know, I, I, compared to John Wayne and the shootist. And, you know, he's talking about his, his father who just passed, and he's looking in the camera, and he keeps derivatively referring to uh, Matthew and Nicholas as Bucks. I loved this promo from Sting. I thought it, it was it was a level of depth I haven't seen in a Sting promo in a long, long time. I liked Main Event Mafia Sting, but I don't think he ever got to this level. I thought this was great. It was a really good promo. It's just it, but Sting's a it, bad, notoriously bad promo. So it's I, one of those yeah. things where maybe I'm grading on a curve and saying it's the best one I've seen him do. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm forgetting one. Maybe he did one when he was like teaming with the dudes with attitudes or something like that. Maybe I'm forgetting something. You know, Trucker Norman. Our I really like you. It's going to shock the world because he is the shock master. <laughs> yeah, Sting. Epaulette basic- Sting underrated look though. I really. <laughs> Or he's dressed like he's going into a battle in the 18th century. I really, <laughs> all right. Actually, it looks like Cody Rhodes does now. Yeah, I was just <laughs> saying, Cody Rhodes it. basically does like that era Sting. Yeah, uh, in a lot of ways. In many uh, ways, <laughs> I think about it. He, yeah. he's, he's Sting from 1990 or something. 1990. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of homage to Sting. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I thought that Sting doing the down promo it. It works because it's the end of his career. Um, I I love the resolution too. Like he's resolute, and this is a resolution of his career. Um, I think that that's a very strong. That's a strong thing. Which is amazing on a show with Ric Flair, who used to be the best promo in the business, coming in there with marbles and not anymore. Bucks. It's sad. Just sad. Uh, and I wish he wouldn't go. I mean, of course, dressing like a couch in the 70s. It's just, it, what's he doing? He, he dresses like a grandpa pimp. <laughs> grandpa pimp. <laughs> Your turn, sir. <laughs> um. All right. The Tony Storm and Deanna Parazza thing, they, they, they're going to keep trying, but th- this is just never going to get off the ground. Like, Why would you do a beatdown of Deanna Parazzo two weeks before the pay-per-view if she's not going to win? Which she's not. Right. Because the money's in Mercedes and Tony. Right. What are they doing? I, if anything, Deanna Parazzo needs to be the formidable challenger who just narrowly misses. You know she, what they're going to do? What? They're going to have Deanna beat down Tony in the go-home. I, and think I that mean, that makes it okay. 
She need who she needs to beat is Mariah May. Yes, that too. Seriously, like that's what needs to happen is she needs to beat Mariah May. Mariah May gets left high and dry by Tony yet again. Uh, it doesn't need to be a dominant victory over Mariah, but like it's one where Mariah loses because she doesn't get the help from Tony. See that'll and... that'll be that'll be the match after the pay per view though. I yeah, guarantee right. it. I guarantee that's what Tony's thinking is like. Well, or Tony Khan, it's like, oh well, we'll get her heat back by having her beat Mariah after the pay per view when she needs to beat the crap out of her before the pay per view. That's not visionary thinking, Jeff. You build to you build to the pay per view the week after. <laughs> Look for for all our criticism of AEW over over the past couple years. This has been the best in terms of doing on television build for the pay per view, top to bottom, that they've ever done. Yeah, broadly speaking, it's it's it, look they're consistently hitting the notes that they need to hit every week. You can't say they're not you, like you for can't the first say that, time they're hitting the notes they need right. to hit every week. Well, I mean, like like look, they they know they need to play the Tony Storm Diana Parazzo song every week. The song's a stupid song, yeah. But, but we're hearing it every week, yeah. And that's it. Like I, 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 while I don't like this program, and I'm not gonna make any bones about that. And if it's a mystery to anyone, boy, you're bad at context. Uh, this is still the right point of emphasis. Emphasize your programs. Yeah. Your turn, sir. I'm or I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give you another turn for the hell of it. Okay. Um. Honestly, the only match on the show that didn't really have any intrigue for me was the main event trios match, just because I am done with Rob Van Dam. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also, why are we still making pot jokes in 2024? It's it's weird. Like, it, pot's not... Uh, because pot smokers need to be isolated and mocked. It's... it. Well, I know you... That's just a personal pathology <laughs> that you're working through, Jeffrey. <laughs> They're derelicts of society, Chris Novembrino. We must. <laughs> you know what? Oh, look, Uber conservative Jeff has entered the chat. No, it's I, your it's your turn. Do something stupid. It is my turn. I just <laughs> I successfully trolled you. I don't understand that. How does that happen in 2024, in the year of our Lord? Exactly. How is this happening? How is this? How are you getting upset with me over an obvious troll? I don't get that. Um, Jeffrey, there's a little space in hell for comments like that that you make and your face. <laughs> oh, no, let's hug. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to hit NXT for a quick shot. I am I am well versed in my love of Thea Hale and JC Jane. This dating segment was utterly ridiculous and made even more ridiculous by the insertion of Ariana Grace pretending to, to try and eavesdrop and making steps and steps and then offering Hey, when a guy <laughs> opens the door for you, you should thank him. <laughs> Basic bourgeois values are now played for camp, but I like all these people. And if Ariana Grace can improve in ring, I can't kind of can't wait for her to be the heir apparent to Chelsea Green. Because I think she's very good at playing this flaky type of character. But look, Thea and, and uh and Jay-Z were fantastic in it too. Uh Jasmine Nix 
the former Jade Gentile, I think her name was. Uh, I'm not there yet with her, but it looks like they're just going to redo Pretty Deadly. Or not, what, what was their name? Toxic Attraction. Toxic Attraction. Toxic, yeah. yeah, Pretty Deadly is on the main roster. Sorry. Uh, Toxic Attraction with, with uh, JC and a new person. That's all this feels like. But uh, I, uh, Well, I, I think actually... Okay, if we're, if we're on NXT, I think we're just turning all of Chase University heel except for Thea Hale. Thea's going to leave the university, and the U is Oh, so you go. think Chase U has become corrupted by JC's dirty money? Uh, I mean, it's not just the dirty money. I think, like, uh, moral turpitude has seeped in. Look, the weakness has always been there with Duke Hudson. The guy's always been a jerk. He's always been uh, a heel in, in a babyface stable. Yes. stable. Yeah, he's yes. always been a heel in a babyface stable. And... Andre Chase, his argument for why Chase U should have been in title contention this week was morally unscrupulous. Just because you have a shitty deal with the mafia guys who were the champions doesn't mean that that makes you number one contender now. So, like, they actually came in with a heel argument to enter into that match. That was a good match, by the way, but I'll get to that in a second. But it goes to a larger point here. We're turning all the people that we've made likable over the past three months into heels. Roxanne Perez turning heel. Uh, Lyra Valkyria looks like is turning heel, even though we did all that character work with her and Becky Lynch because we're, we're because we we're doing single white female with her. Well, looks like uh, Von Wagner might be turning heel on Mister Stone. It, it's like we're just gonna turn all our baby faces heel. And and then what are we going to have for baby faces on this roster? It's going to be dreadful television is what it's going to be because. Uh, and, and in the case of Lyra Valkyria and also Mr. Stone and Vaughn Wagner, they had found really interesting. Yes. Baby face formulations. And people that weren't that interesting in the first place. Right. Like Lyra Valkyria is not that interesting. But no. Tatum Paxley has absolutely given her a charisma injection. And I think Tatum... No, 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 no. I think Tatum's good. I think Tatum's good at a role. Wait, did you really... Are you serious now? Because I thought thought we were were saying that this Tatum-Paxley thing was ruining it. Ruining the work we did with with Lyra. With Lyra as a baby... uh, I mean... She was doing the bird crap before Becky Lynch came in. Right, I know. That wasn't great. No, but now we're going to have her siding with Tatum Paxley? Yes, but like, uh, I mean, I think, I don't actually have a, I think the Tatum stuff makes her more interesting. Really? I don't, I don't okay. Think, yeah, I, I I don't think it hurts her. Uh, I, I, I was of that opinion, but I, I don't think it hurts her anymore. Who is uh, hurt more by a heel presence? Lyra right now or Roxanne Perez? Because Roxanne Perez to me was everything nice and pure. And now just, she's just a brat. I, I think turning Lyra heel is worse, especially because you're oh, about okay. to, because you're about to turn Roxanne heel. So like easy move here is you have like Roxanne take out Tatum, like, Tatum, you know, Tatum doesn't not work as a baby face. Like, she could just be, like, Lyra's crazy friend. Yeah, turn the it, metaphor baby face. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, well, yeah, right? Like, that would be another mistake. You know what it's like, though? It's, uh, like, uh, what's her, the crazy Scottish, uh, girl from a few years back. Uh. Kaylee Ray? Nikki, Nikki Isla Cross. Nikki oh, Nikki Cross. Cross. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Nikki Cross. Like, I, like, Tatum kind of works as, like, a Nikki Cross-like. 
All right. For, for, no, uh, I, I can buy that. Nikki Cross yeah. was endearing in that role. I yeah. That. Um, yeah. So I, I could kind of see her. I could kind of see her working at that. Whereas, but I'd keep Lyra face is if you're a turn Roxanne heel. Uh, I don't think Roxanne's whining is particularly uh, good. No, I, I, no, her whining sucks. She needs to get better at whining. <laughs> I never thought I'd hear that as a note for a wrestler. Get better but at whining. But it's true, right? Yes. Like this is she's supposed to be a whiny character. Yeah, uh, and, and, and what she's doing is she looks like she's having a temper tantrum in her own mind, instead of really, you know whining she looks like she's she's a petulant child who is, and it's know. not clear who she's mad at and i don't yes. like I, yeah like there's there's just like a lot of things she's going about, through puberty all of a sudden there's a lot of things about her petulance that isn't quite fully grounded connected. yeah it's yeah not, yeah it's not grounded it's, I, I, it's not grounded i did like i did like the uh the wolf dogs winning the titles and then uh and then I, I liked the uh celebration i did <laughs> oh yeah uh, the wolf dogs are great uh and, and to answer your other question, I think that Vaughn Wagner, the whole joy of Vaughn Wagner is him as a baby face. Yeah. Like there's something really endearing about this lunky baby face who he might not be the smartest guy in the world, but he's strong and he's got a big heart. You know what it is? It, it's it's casting against type because that guy's always going to be a heel in most federations. The guy who looks yeah. a little weird. He's big. He's lumbering. He's Mongo. Not not Mongo McMichael, but Mongo from say Blazing Saddles. You know the guy. You know the dumb lunk, who you know is easily controllable and he's muscle for people, et cetera, et cetera. And then you know, but this this has been actually you know him being humanized by uh, what what do we call the twins? I forgot <laughs> I forgot their name. The younger bucks. The younger bucks. Uh, you know it, it's endearing and I, I like it. It's, uh, yeah, unless you got to turn the kids heel and that'd be uh. <laughs> We have two eight-year-olds on the roster who are heels. That's great. They throw, they throw Legos in underneath the ring, like all over them. And Vaughn Wagner chokeslams the guy onto the Legos. I'm here for this. I'm kind of yeah. here for this thing. I'm talking myself into this. Book it. Uh, do we want to hit anything from the main roster? Because you really um, liked SmackDown a lot, I thought. Uh, I liked Raw too. I, Raw I, I was mean, pretty I, good. Raw had some yeah. good wrestling on it too. I, I mean, I feel like we kind of ran down most of most of what made it made it good. I, I you know, go- one thing I will say: Jay Uso versus Gunther. Um, I'm sorry. This really should. I don't. I don't care about Jimmy and Jay. Like Jimmy versus Jay at WrestleMania is not a thing I really care about. The only thing. I can sort of say positive about this is it reignites the idea that Jimmy keeps costing Jay his first singles title. But I think that Jay beating Gunther was a really good WrestleMania program, and they should have just made that the program. Uh, they won it because, it, you know, if it's their family and the family can watch them wrestle each other, et cetera. But to me, it's just like, again, Jay, main event Jay Uso is once again a moron for not getting help to watch his back because everybody knows Solo and they're so, I mean, this is my feeling about Drew and Cody too. It's like, oh, there's Solo, there's Jimmy. Uh, again, ad nauseum. Um, I'm going to take up a little bit of criticism of old Dwayne on SmackDown last week though. I kind of called this. I The Mormon jokes rub me the wrong way 
you know, multiple wives and magic underwear and all that other stuff. I, I really, I mean, he already has the homophobic stuff. <laughs> he doesn't really get to another level of heat except with kind of, you know, cheap stereotypes. I really just, I get that people like this character a lot. Um, you know, because it's well, if you made these type of jokes about the Jewish community or like at the level or scale about the Jewish community, you'd be getting charged with anti-Semitism. Exactly. That that's where I get uncomfortable. It's like, like uh, there are certain groups that, that are almost allowable to be doing this stuff against in, in proper society. And it's like, it shouldn't be that way, but here we are. Um, and just, it just makes, it makes the rock look like a anachronism from the turn of the century. Is what well, it, does. It, it definitely gets back to the idea that we've discussed on prior shows about The Rock, which is when you go back and revisit Rock's material from like 97 to 2000, there's not a lot of it that can tra- time travel up to 2024. Most of it's problematic on one front or another front. Yes. Yeah, like, basically. Strudel you know, jokes. Yeah. Well, Hermaphrodites. If it's not misogynistic, it's transphobic. If it's not transphobic, it's homophobic. If it's not homophobic, it's probably casually prejudiced against another group or toxically masculine. Like all the rocks shtick was fun back then, but like Stone Cold's the one that you could still do in 2024. Yeah. Even though um, he's a raging alcoholic. Anything particular on Raw or SmackDown you want to highlight that you really like? Um uh, I think that Drew McIntyre's character work on Raw uh, continues to be really strong. I like the finish where the bloodline comes out and helps Drew McIntyre. And Michael Cole, for his part, does a nice job highlighting the hypocrisy of Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre sort of, you see the gears turning in his head. I like that. Uh, and, and also, I've been enjoying how both Michael Cole and Vic Joseph call more moves. I don't know if you've noticed this, but like the actual calling of the action has ramped up in a considerable way with both of them. Yeah, McIntyre or, or uh, McAfee's starting to get back into it. I mean, he, he, he yeah. still has a little bit of Art Donovan in him, but he uh, also him. cracks up Michael Cole at various points. And that that shit cracks. Well, he's me like up a too. child. I mean, it's like you know, it's like he has an eight, and Michael Cole has an eight-year-old next to him. Like my favorite, my favorite moment is like uh, he's doing the Jey Uso bounce stuff and Gunther looks at him and the fear of God gets into McAfee. Uh, he sits right there. I thought that was good. Um I, I liked Gable versus Ivar. Oh man, Gable versus Ivar was extremely entertaining. And got some time to breathe. Yeah. And just be a really entertaining match. That has been an uh, interesting program that makes no sense. Is <laughs> the Ivar versus Alpha Academy stuff. To the point where I'm almost thinking Ivar's going to join Alpha Academy with Valhalla. Like, why not, right? Uh, maybe pretend that Valhalla's always been Maxine. <laughs> well, I would do something with Maxine, but this has made no sense. Oh, because you'd they had... send her back down to training and take her off TV? Oh, God. Because <laughs> Tazawa beat uh, Ivar, although uh, Ivar beat Otis. Otis, right? And then Ivar and Otis. Ivar. Ivar and Otis would be a great tag team, and I would love Chad Gable managing Ivar and Otis together. They're the new 
<laughs> Although, what would you change Ivar into? Or would you change Otis into a Viking? Otis becomes a Viking. Oh, like, God. No, no. You have segments where Ivar teaches Otis how to Viking. Uh-huh. Uh, no, no. I, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, are, are you kidding me? These Ivar teaches Otis how to be a Viking segments would be the best thing since the Blue Blood segments where Steve Regal was teaching Bobby Eaton how to be a Blue Blood. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm so here for it, well, they, like, I've, right, they sit down and start we've eating. Done we've done the Viking game stuff before with, who was it, the New Day? Yeah, it was the New Day, right? Yeah, it was the New it, Day. I thought maybe possibly Otis and Tucker, and yeah, Tucker right, yeah. were involved yeah. in that somehow, too. I almost, thought, I almost thought that for a second, too. But, like, Otis and Ivar are not a bad idea for a big Haas team. God. And both those, both those guys could go. Give I'd watch me that. Guys. Yeah. And have them destroy DIY. <laughs> I but, love DIY, but those are the types of guys you destroy with a team like Ivar and Otis. Dude, like a top rope move where like Ivar comes off the top rope with something off of Otis's power setup. Like, yes. Speaking of R Truth, is R Truth thinking that DIY is DX ridiculous? <laughs> I I wanted them to almost. I don't go think he's further. getting there with this one. I just don't. It's just a little bit too far fetched. It's too far fetched, but I almost wanted them to cross the line three times and like actually come out to DX's music, like just do the full DX entrance as the Miz, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa. Our truth as the Road Dog. Yeah. Irony there. <laughs> oh, you didn't know. <laughs> uh. Wait, does, would that make the Miz Billy Gunn in this? yeah oh no (laughs) that that would have that would have been great i like like i but like you know they did do the suck it i think the diy you know the dx thing was it was like a funny one-off i just i would have had them go all the way with it and actually just especially since the match didn't matter just to have them actually be dx for like one night for no for no effing reason because like that's been Everything with our truth has been just a series of non sequiturs. So, like, I, I don't know. I'm kind of like here for it being like for him being a bit of a goofy vortex sometimes. I thought there was going to be a tag match of some kind with Bailey and Dakota versus EO or, yeah, versus, uh, versus Kyrie that was the, and that was Asuka. the idea last week, right? Well, that's what I was thinking. And I thought they were going to yeah. add this to this card because. I am still on board and fully thinking that because Dakota didn't hit anybody with the chair, that she is in on it with the other. Three. Yeah. And she's in all black too. Like, like just like her outfitting and everything. It just feels like she was in on it, you know, but the backstage stuff with her, you know, trying to, you know, Oh, Hey Bailey, didn't you see what they were saying about me type of thing? It's working. It, it's, it's a, it's a good little angle for that. And it, it's got the swerve. I mean, the swerve is more interesting than doing the program to me, but. Well, yeah, we'll I see. agree. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the stuff I watched. Uh, I did watch a little bit of that Super Brawl 3. That I Roll- watched the White Castle of Fear. Oh, did you? Segment, okay. Uh, and, and even the match. Okay. Uh, the match, the match slaps. Like, like real talk. Yes. I, I, well, hold on. Let's explain what it is. So people don't, it, it's Sting versus Vader in a strap match. Yeah, that's the White Castle and, of Fear. It, it, right, it makes no sense. White Castle is not a good place to get a burger, but it is a place to get a burger. Uh, and Fear, that's true. 
is the only place or the only thing we have to fear. So, and White Castles. So the only thing, like, anyways, it, the name never has made any sense. And I keep hearing it as the White Castle. I fear White fear. Castle. Have you ever right. eaten there? Yeah. I mean, that stuff will go right, right. through you. No, I don't. Right. Like that, that's like every time I hear this name now, all I picture is like the worst White Castle burger restaurant in, on the planet. And that's where the match is or where Vader lives. The the segment is one of the all time worst great camp WWE or WCW segments. Like they would make these little mini movies around this vintage and they're all terrible. And Sting, for his part, does not know how to do any delivery other than at this volume <laughs> vader what are you doing here but it's all it's always <laughs> at that volume he is just yelling at all times vader looks like a million bucks in this oh, match. He's so like, good dude he's so ripped in this match like for vader he is just like a tank unit at this point like just just pure power and like his hits and his blows all look good. I even think he does a good job as this over the top campy villain. Like he does. He, oh yeah, he's got the voice. Yeah, oh Sting. Like, like sting. It, it, yeah, <laughs> Sting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I mean, I also, I, but I like when he, you know, like will be like more of like the I've gone on seven, you know, seven continents, defended the belt. Like, like I like when he gets into that mode too vader rules uh that's not a hot take coming from me but this match oh the it's match. great yeah the, 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 you know the strap might be a little too short but i think they figure out a way to work around it there's only a few points where it seems like maybe if they had a few extra feet that the certain spots would look a little bit better um but i think this match is really good minus the convoluted rules the yes yeah, the if anyone touches you, then that breaks the the count up. I think that's stupid. I the think touch, like, the touching turnbuckle thing in a strap match is the worst. Yeah, just just I put agree. them together and do it. And we we warned about this during the dog collar matches, like in AEW. We were hoping that they weren't going to be that kind of thing. I watched uh, Rock and Roll Express versus Heavenly Bodies from this show, and this match is awesome. And it's everything that I mean. I remember watching it originally in, I believe, '93. See, or '92 or '93. I feel like I remember this match. Is Doctor Tom like notably ripped in this match? He's 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 pretty ripped. I mean, this is still yeah. when it's when it's him and uh, Stan Lane. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, there's there's one Heavenly Bodies match where I'm like, geez, Louise, when did Doctor Tom get that ripped? Like, yeah. Uh, but you know, it's everything I loved about <clears throat> professional wrestling as a kid. And you know the the rock and roll were you know a little bit older, but they were still fantastic, and they still had it. And uh, and 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 uh, and this was the deal that they were making at the time because they were uh, with with Smoky Mountain because it was Watts, and Watts had been fired before the show. But uh, you know you know classic Cornet gets in the ends up in the ring, takes a bump. You know it's just. It, it 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 soothes my nostalgia bug after watching that NXT, which I really didn't like all that much this week so i i've turned i told you i'm turning on super brawl uh, I, I got oh i got one other note um or two I can't remember Ilya dragunov is one of my favorite champions in a very very long time really and yeah More than samoa joe samoa joe's up there too uh i i think look if, if joe didn't have like transitional champion vibes energy mm -hmm. uh 
he he would be right up there with with Dragunov. Although Joe's a very very strong, like like you know I you know I think very highly of Joe, but I think Dragunov. The, the new wrinkle here, like you could go the red contacts are goofy. I think the whole idea that Dragunov keeps himself entertained and engaged by mentally breaking his opponents, I think it's awesome. Mental, I, I, mental I, warfare, Ilya yeah. Dragunov. Because, I mean, he started doing this with the trick and mellow stuff. Yep, yep. And that he's always he's always playing around a little bit with reality and even when he's telling the truth he likes to keep you at eye he'll tell you the truth but in a way to keep you on edge to make you think that he's lying and i, I like i like that he uses the truth as a form of deception it like like that he's just really trying to mentally break his opponents uh, I, I, I think I need to play up that aspect a little bit more because I don't think it's coming yeah. across necessarily. I think it's just coming off as Ilya being a little weird. Yes, I, right. That, that right now, I don't think they've done a good enough job connecting the dots on the hugging Baron Corbin moment, the yes. hugging Trick Williams moment. I think it will come across when he hugs Carmelo. Uh, okay. I, yeah, I think Carmelo is actually a perfect foil for him to truly psychologically break. Well, because they're both playing games. Right. And and, 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 and Carmelo's gonna get outplayed. Yes. Yeah. So that so that that'll work too. That's a good place yeah. to end. Then shake them ropes. You can follow me on uh Elon Musk's X, formerly known as Twitter, at crap game thirteen. I tweet about wrestling, arcane references, bad jokes. Today's national chili day. Chili shouldn't have beans. I stand by this. Chris is on Instagram at DOC. It should be green or red. D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. And just follow show at Shake Them Ropes. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Podcast for all your niche loves of wrestling. Gentlemen's Wrestling Podcast. Uh, good, bad, the hungry. I, I, I'm thinking of various ones I haven't put over there. But of course, there's always the flagship with Rich and Joe, who we just started a war with. And, and classic archival episodes of stipulation and Lucha of the Hidden Temple to go back and revisit. <laughs> if you can't, I think they might be on the feed. I don't know. We, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, do you think, do you think, uh, check, I'm not going to check. No, so I'm telling check. the listener oh. to check. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. They should. I do it's a show stuff. on Fight Game Media called The Dynamite Show about 20 or 30 minutes after the show ends. Myself and Paul Ace Fontaine go on thoroughly deconstruct the two hours that was Dynamite. We had a fun little show where he referred to Ruby Soho as tattooed Betty Rubble, and now I can't unsee it. Uh, you can get that on Fight Game Media's uh, podcasting or over on the YouTubes. Uh, Chris uh, is doing a variety of things, including hurting cats. He'll tell you about it now. Yeah, I have four cats. They're wonderful. Here's one of them. Oh, hello, Hazy. Hazy wants you to get guitar lessons from Dad, and you can do that by going on to the Instagram and what, what is that? Oh, messaging him on the Instagram. Get where guitar can they lessons. Find you? Uh, D-O-C-T-O-R-N-O-V. Underscore N-O-V. Underscore N-O-V. I have a cat. She's very adorable. You might be losing DMs because you're not properly plugging your account, sir. I don't, I'm not losing DMs. Uh, I, I don't know where I don't have a good joke for that. Yeah, well, let's just end it there. Whatever. Do you like wrestling trivia? 
then check out the five-star match game, The Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today.